Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. I just want to make a couple of comments and draw from some of the verses that we've looked at earlier in Ephesians chapter 2. If you've not been around for a little bit, uh, we are in a series called Core during the fall season that's taking us through Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And during that time, we've been looking at some of the core components of what we believe as followers of Jesus. And we began in Ephesians 1, and we looked at Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the work of each of them in creation, as well as bringing about the new creation of our lives as followers of Jesus. So that was Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 2, we looked at a lot of verses as to what it means to, for Christ to make us new through faith, supplied to our lives by the Holy Spirit. A few verses that we looked at were in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. I'm going to invite us to read bits and pieces of them this morning, and I'm going to do a little bit of a rewind and go back and look at some of these verses again this morning. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 say. They'll be on the screens. And if you could read these two verses together with me, that would be awesome. Let's read these two verses together. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Several weeks ago, we looked at that idea of what it means to be saved. We took that word apart. What does it mean to be rescued? It's essentially what the word saved means. It can also be translated sometimes healing. And so Paul mentions that several times in these verses, and we dove in pretty deeply Exactly what does it mean for God to rescue us? Again, this morning, I want to do a little bit of a, a rewind and review of some of that. Paul references that we were dead. He says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. You can't get any more of a contrast than what Paul pulls out here. Dead and alive is a stark contrast. Those two things contrast more than anything else you can think of in our world. Sometimes scripture uses the ideas of light and darkness as well. Again, two gigantic contrasts on either end of the spectrum. And Paul says, we were dead in our transgressions. Now you might be thinking, what in the world does that mean? Because I don't know. I'm very much alive. You may think, what does this idea of dead mean? Because life seems to pretty much go on around us. What scripture means when it uses the word dead is that we're separated from God. God is the source of life, not just spiritually, but physically as well. You wouldn't simply even be here to ask the questions about what it means to be dead or alive had God not given you life. You know, once in a while, when I interact with people, and they're maybe not believers in God, they say, yeah, like, like, I'm good with not believing in God, because I'll die, and I don't know, I'll join some kind of party somewhere. And so, like, not believing in God is fine, because, 
I'll just sort of go on enjoying life without him in the afterlife. Well, the whole point about that is parties are a gift from God. Anything that you experience that has to do with life is directly a gift from God. You wouldn't even be able to be here to ask the question about who God is or what life is had not God originally created you. Every category that you can think of in your mind actually is a gift from God. Which also means this, that in this very moment, because you're alive, that's actually a gift from God. Even though you may not believe in God or acknowledge who he is, your very life in this very moment is a gift from him. The Bible sees the word dead as in sort of a nuanced kind of perspective. You are given life, and Scripture says that our sin, our, our violation of God's righteousness and his holiness separates us from him. It says we're dead in our sin. But the ultimate deadness of that isn't immediate. If you're a believer or not a believer in this very moment, yes, you have life. But the ultimate fulfillment of being dead will eventually one day happen when we're eternally separated from God, who is the giver of life. You know, I was kind of thinking about how that works, and, and I think maybe here, here's a couple of ideas how that might work. If you have a carbon monoxide detector in your home, that carbon monoxide detector, if that thing goes off and it gives an alarm, it means there's a poisonous gas flooding into your home. And the whole idea is that it revolves around the fact that you're still alive enough to hear the alarm, but in one sense, you're good as dead because that will be the ultimate result. You're alive enough to hear the alarm that there is a poisonous gas in your home that allows you to escape. So you're still alive at that point. But if you were to stay in that condition, that condition is death. Does that make sense? That condition, I remember I had a, um, I used to do some facilities work when I went through seminary. And uh, I'm not, I don't like heights, but once in a while we were on roofs and stuff like that. And I remember my boss always used to say, I don't know, this is kind of stupid. He'd say, like, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the end. Like, like you're alive all the way down. It's just a sudden stop at the end that gets you. The fall doesn't hurt. The stop at the end hurts you. But, but here's the deal. You're not dead when you step off the edge of a roof. You're fully alive. But sooner or later, you'll hit the ground, and then you're dead. And so you are literally as good as dead when you step off the roof. You are as good as dead if you stay in the carbon monoxide, but the alarm, while you still have some life, enables you to get out. And so the truth of Scripture is saying is this. Without God, we are separated from him. We're, dis we're severed from him as our life source. And in his mercy and grace, in his kindness to you, in his kindness to me, he allows us to still be alive even though we're dead. Does that make sense? 
We're severed from him as a source of life. And so if you're alive right now and not a believer in God, I just simply want to say to you, it's a, it's a demonstration of God's kindness to you. It's a demonstration of his love for you. You are dead. You're separated. You're severed from the giver of life. But you're still alive. The final effect of that has not yet taken place. God's kindness is toward you, even though you may not believe in him. And I just want you to hear that. His kindness is toward you, even though you may not believe in him. So Paul says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, and again, mercy not just in bringing us to Christ, but even mercy before we believe in enabling us to be alive, even though we're severed from God's life, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Verses six and seven say this, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might share the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. A couple things I want you to notice. Um, When we are made alive in Christ, here's the deal. Sometimes when we think of salvation, when we think of our relationship with God, we often think, and these are are both appropriate and true, but I kind of want us to to get into present for a second this morning. We can think often in terms of the past, which is incredibly important, and every faith story you heard read this morning had some kind of story of, this is when I came to embrace Jesus as my Savior. And so there's a past component when we place our faith, our trust in the person of Jesus. There's also a future component of one day being with God for all eternity in a new heaven and a new earth, in a restored, renewed creation. Both of those, one is past when we embrace Jesus as Savior. The other is future when we are eternally with God and a new creation. But what I love about several times in these verses, Paul actually says there's a real dynamic in which we're alive in the present. These, verses, these slides will be on the screen. Um, notice, Paul isn't just talking about past or future, he's also talking about present. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, God made us alive with Christ. I think these verses will be on slides. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, maybe not, maybe Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ. Ephesians, again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Notice, there's a presentness to all of them. In other words, there's the, the, the events in your life as a follower of Jesus are not just the day that you believe. Yes, that begins the journey. The day that you embrace Jesus as your Savior. It's also not just the end game of living with God for all eternity. Notice, he says, God made us alive. There's an aliveness to your life right now in Christ. 
God raised us up with Christ. He's not talking about the future. He's saying the moment that we embrace Jesus as our Savior, we're literally raised up with Christ. That's not something that just happens at the end. That happens at the point that we embrace Jesus as our Savior. So right now, you are literally raised with Christ. He says he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So at this very moment, again, that's not just, hey, one day when I get to heaven, I'll be seated with Jesus in heaven. No, right this very moment, right now, presently, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I find that pretty often folks maybe sort of understand the beginning of the story when they embrace Jesus as their Savior. Maybe they have some kind of sense of the end of the story of being eternally present with God in a new heaven and a new earth and new creation. But, but somehow we often miss the dynamic that's presently here, that you are presently raised with Christ, that you are presently made alive in Christ, that you are presently seated with him in the heavenly realms. Maybe just a couple of implications of that. Here's one. You know, we live in a world where as advanced as we are, I would say you would agree with me in this, we live in a world with fragile identities. Wouldn't you agree? Our political identities are fragile, and so when they're threatened, we erupt. Sometimes our sexual identities are fragile. There's lots of identities that circulate in our culture, that circulate in our world, and they're fragile identities to the point that they cause disruption, they cause anger, they cause volatility when those fragile identities are stepped on. When our fragile identities aren't appropriately recognized by someone else, whether it's a political position or or sociological position, whatever it is, That identity is incredibly fragile. But notice, friends, if your identity is that you're alive with Christ, if your identity is that you're seated with him in the heavenly realms, nothing can touch that identity. Nothing can touch it. That doesn't mean that if people speak meanly, that shouldn't be addressed, of course. Yes, it should be. But what it means is this. Our demeanor as followers of Jesus is not one of fragileness. Our demeanor as followers of Jesus is confident that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. He is beside us. He is with us. He is in us. And there's nothing that can that can strike a a chunk out of our identity. Your identity as a follower of Christ is secure. Here's kind of how I'm thinking about this. Your demeanor should be impacted by the fact that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Your demeanor should be one of confidence. Your demeanor should be one of love. Why? 
Because no matter how other people behave around you, whether they acknowledge you or not, your demeanor is not based on their treatment of you. Your demeanor is not based on how people respond to you. Your demeanor is based on the fact that Jesus is solid and he's secure and he reigns over all and you are in him. Your demeanor is solid. And by the way, friend, just a note here. When it says we're dead in our trespasses and sin, yes, I think Paul is speaking very personally there to us as individuals. But make no mistake about it. Not only are we dead as individuals, our world is dead as well. And I think in many of our lives these days, all over the place, we sense Sometimes, what I might say, the growing deadness of our world. The growing chaos of our world. The growing sense that in spite of our advancement, sophistication, and technology, that somehow we have been severed from the life that God intended. And so this is true in a macro scale as well as a micro scale. But because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms through his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, our demeanor is one of faith and confidence in him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Listen, friends. If you're not a believer in Jesus, what I want you to remember is God's kindness is toward you. And the invitation is open for you to believe in him. If you are a believer in Jesus, your demeanor should be one of confidence, love, and joy, and peace. You're not, your, your identity is not fragile you're not impacted by the highs and lows of the world around you. Your demeanor comes from belonging to God and being in Christ. And then one last reminder. Your demeanor is one that's consistent with being in the heavenly realms with Christ. But your activity is actually for the good of those around you. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your demeanor is that you, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. But that doesn't mean that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. It's precisely because you are heavenly minded that you are earthly good. Paul actually says, you are God's handiwork. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Our demeanor as followers of Jesus is one of love, joy, peace, gentleness, calmness. That's our demeanor because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. There's nothing that can touch Christ. And so there's nothing that can ultimately touch our lives. That's our demeanor. But our activity, our activity is one of loving and serving in the most earthly kind of ways wherever God has placed us. And so we, we have a heavenly demeanor, but very earthly activity. We have a heavenly demeanor that makes us confident, filled with love and joy and peace and gentleness to others. That's our demeanor. We're not a fragile people. We're not easily offended, but our activity is activity that is filled with kindness, 
generosity, care. We carry out the good deeds that God calls us to do every day wherever he has placed us. And ask Sam to come out, and we're just going to sing that last refrain that, of that last song that we sang. Sam, you can pick out whatever piece of the refrain that we want to do. Um, and here, here's what I want to leave you with. If you're not a believer in Jesus yet, God is kind to you. The fact that you're still alive, you're, the, the CO detector is kind of gone off. But you're alive, and it's, it's God's grace and his mercy. It's grace and his mercy. Be drawn to him. Be drawn to follow Jesus. Be drawn to receive the gift of eternal life, an unsevered relationship with the eternal God. Secondly, if you are a believer, it's not just a past story or a future destiny. It's a presentness of being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms of being raised with Christ. You are victorious. You're his son. You're his daughter. Your identity is not fragile. That's your demeanor. Your activity is that you've been created to do good works. It's what he's called us to do. So let's stand and sing this refrain, that Christ is enough. And um, yeah, let's just celebrate the morning as we sing this refrain. I have decided to follow God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace, God. Your kindness is toward every single person in this room. Those who believe in you, those who don't believe in you, your kindness is toward every person. If you don't believe in Jesus, this might be a great moment just to simply say, God of heaven, I receive eternal life, forgiveness of sin, through Jesus. God, for those who are believers in Jesus, may our demeanor increasingly be the demeanor of one who is seated with you in the heavenly realms. That you're over all, you're in control of all. And so as long as we're in Christ, we're good. May our activity be in the atmosphere of this earth. May we do the good works that you created us to do. May may we do them with love and joy and peace and gentleness. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Our prayer team will be down to the right. We'd love to pray with you. God bless and have a wonderful day.